invite you to turn in your copy of God's Word to the book of First Kings. We'll be looking at First Kings chapter two, verses one through twelve this Lord's Day. As you turn there, I just want to say thank you for those who have prayed for me. It's been about a year since I asked you to pray that I would find a donor for a kidney transplant, and now I'm just about a week and a half away from receiving that transplant from a living donor. And so this will be my last Sunday in the pulpit for a little while. And I want to thank you for praying and ask you to continue to pray. Uh, and many of you have asked me um, what you can do to help. And so there's two things I'd like to ask you to do for me. The first one I've already asked is if that you would just continue to pray. Uh, and the second one would be to, to do what you're doing. Uh, to be an active part of this church family. Uh, one of the hardest things about this process for me will be that I won't be able to be around you for a little while because you're a bunch of germy people, and that's going to be bad for me. I'll have a lot of anti-rejection medication I'll take, so my body doesn't reject the kidney, but it won't be able to reject other things, so I can't be around people. Uh, but you can be around people and around each other, and I hope that you will be an active part of this church family throughout this summer, and, and I will miss you greatly. We have already arranged uh, some wonderful men of God to come and to preach during my absence. Uh, I think you'll be very blessed uh, by each of them. Uh, I'll try to do some updates uh, on Facebook, some videos to let you know more about each of them before they preach. Uh, but if you'd be praying uh, for our church, pray for them, and pray for me during this process. I certainly would appreciate that. Well, today we come to 2 Kings chapter 2, and this really finishes out our study of David's life, as we will see David now pass in this passage. So this will transition us into that summer series and those various preachers who will be here, and then uh, when I'm back with you, uh, we're going to begin to study through Luke's gospel. But for today, we're going to finish what we started a little over two years ago as we began 1 Samuel by looking at this passage in 1 Kings. So out of reverence for God's word, if you're able to, I want to invite you to stand as I read for us 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. This is what the word of God says. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth be strong and show yourself a man. And keep charge of the Lord your God, walking in His ways and keeping His statutes, His commandments, His rules, and His testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish His word that He spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Moreover, you also know what Joab, the son of Zerah, did to me and how he dealt with the two commanders of the armies of Israel, Abner, son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed avenging in time of peace for blood that had been shed in war and putting excuse me and putting the blood of war on the belt 
around his waist and on the sandals of his feet. Act therefore according to your wisdom, but do not let his gray head go down to Sheol in peace. But deal loyally with the sons of Barzillia, the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, for with such loyalty they met me when I fled from Absalom your brother. And there is also with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bathurim, who cursed me with a grievous curse on the day I went to Mahanaim. But when he came down to greet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore, do not hold him guiltless. For you are a wise man. You will know what you ought to do with him. And you shall bring his gray head down with blood to Sheol. Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David his father. And his kingdom was firmly established. You would pray with me. Father, again, as we look at ancient words from ancient times, we are reminded how these words point us to Christ, our King. How these words are living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. How these words are our daily bread. So help us to feed from them today. Prepare us, Lord, to come to your table and in response to your word today. And bless us as we do. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On September 18, 2007, Dr. Randy Posh delivered a lecture to about 400 of his colleagues at Carnegie, or excuse me, at Carnegie Mellon University. And he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. He knew that his life would soon come to an end. And so now, with just a few months to live, he had gathered his colleagues together to give what he titled his last lecture. Now, that lecture at the time was just viewed by a few hundred people, but someone recorded it, they put it on YouTube, and to date, that's, that uh, lecture has received over 20 million views. Shortly after his death, in 2008, it was translated into a book. And that book has, excuse me, now been translated into 48 languages and sold more than 5 million copies here in the U.S. alone. People have flocked to hear this message, this last lecture. And you might wonder, well, why is that? Was it because he was speaking about his area of expertise? Well, what was it that drew people in to hear from this dying man? And what we simply find is it was this, that last words are lasting words. That there's something about knowing that it's the last time someone's going to say something. And it draws us in. We, we want to know, what is it that they have to say? In the end, and especially knowing the end is coming, what do they want to pass on to us? I mean, imagine if today I knew this was my last sermon to you. You, you might be a bit more attentive. It might get 20 views instead of 12 views on YouTube. <laughs> there might be a little bit more interest just because people want to know what your last words are. 
last words are lasting words. As we come to 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, we come to David's last words to his son Solomon. You may remember in our study back in 2 Samuel, there was actually a passage, and the title of that passage was David's Last Words. But I, I made a point then to say, well, these aren't the last things David ever says. But, but these are the last things that we have recorded that David ever said. He is no longer king at this point. He, is, he has established his son Solomon as king. You may recall there had been a, a coup in the kingdom and, and another one of his sons, Adonijah, had tried to take the throne. But now David has secured the throne for Solomon. Solomon is now the king over Judah and Israel. David is now dying. And these are his last words to his son. These are his final instructions. This is what David believes his son needs to hear in order to properly rule over Israel and Judah. And I think within these instructions that David gives to Solomon, there are some lessons for all of us. And I want us to consider three of those lessons today, beginning with the first one there in your outline. Number one, the Lord blesses those who walk in his ways. The Lord blesses those who walk in his ways. You've probably heard and even said the expression, uh, there are two certain things in life. Death and taxes. <laughs> well, long before that statement started, whoever it was that said it first, we have the word of God in Genesis chapter 3 telling us, you are dust and to dust you shall return. That this was God's word to Adam. This is God's word to us. It, it is a reminder to us that, that we are finite creatures. We have a beginning, we have a middle, and we have an end. And here what David is doing for Solomon is he, he's addressing the middle. He's addressing the living. He's addressing how Solomon's going to live. And he's telling him that his life, if he wants to be blessed by God, his life needs to be rooted in, founded on, the word that God has spoken. David knows his time has come to an end. And so he is saying to Solomon emphatically, trust in the word of God. I mean, notice the repetition we have here in verses 3 and 4. No less than eight times David makes reference to the word of God. He says in verse 3, you're to keep the charge of the Lord your God. You're to walk in his ways. You're to keep his statutes. Yeah, he refers to God's word as his commands, his rules, his testimonies. And then in verse 4, he reminds Solomon that God's word is the written law to Moses. That this was the instruction that was given to Moses and now passed down to David and now to his son Solomon. And he tells them, in order to be blessed, you need to listen to the word of God. And he repeats that over and over again. You may wonder why he repeats this. Well, consider this. For you children with us this morning, have you ever had your mom or dad tell you something more than once? Have you ever had your mom or dad say, okay, son, daughter, I want you to clean your room. And then not long after that, they say, well, don't forget to clean your room. And then later in the day, they'll say, now wait, did, did you clean your room yet? Has anybody ever had that? Now, let me ask you parents a question. 
why do you repeat yourself? Because they don't clean their room. You, you repeat yourself because you want to make the point. You repeat yourself because instructions are easily forgotten. And kids, I'm not giving you a hard time here because guess what? Your, your parents, they forget as well. We, we forget. You, you have authority in your life, your mom and dad. We, we have authority in our life, principally God in His Word. And just as we are all prone to forget the instructions of others, we are very prone to forget the instructions that God gives us. And so David, to his son Solomon, he, he is saying emphatically, remember, remember, remember. One of my favorite quotes I go to often is that people need to be reminded more often than they need to be taught. And that's what I believe we see here with David to his son. Surely David has said to Solomon before, walk in the Lord's ways. Surely David in his life, with all the lessons he's learned and gleaned, he, he has said to Solomon and to Solomon's brothers, you need to walk according to the way of the Lord. He, he has shown them exhibit A in his own life what has happened when you don't walk according to the Lord's ways. I mean, you can imagine the conversations that he may have had with Solomon. Remember who Solomon's mother was, Bathsheba. Remember how David and Bathsheba came together. Not through David walking in the Lord's ways. But now David is old and now David is dying. And now David has grown in his walk with the Lord. He's been repentant and been restored. He's reminding Solomon, don't do what I did. Walk in the Lord's ways. And if you do, you will be blessed. In essence, what he is saying clearly to his son is, Son, if you want God's blessing, walk in his ways. And if you don't walk in his ways, you're not going to receive his blessing. Friends, that, that's a good reminder, a good word for us still today. If we want God to bless us, we need to walk according to his ways. And we should not expect God to bless us when we actively rebel against His Word. And yet, look at the world around us. Look at how often people expect, call on God to, to bless them, to, to answer their prayers, to do things for them when they're living in complete and utter disobedience to His Word. The reality is, for so many, they treat God like a, a genie in a bottle. Going for their three wishes. They treat God like some sort of supernatural Santa Claus of, of here's my wish list. Here's what I want this year. But notice how the scripture informs us. Jesus himself in Luke chapter 11 says it this way. Blessed, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus says you, you want blessing from the Father, then, then you need to not only hear what God says, you need to obey the Word of God. And that's why we sing, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And friends, I'll remind you that without trust, there is no obedience. 
That in order for us to obey the word of God, in order for us to obey the call of Christ, it begins with putting our trust in Jesus. It begins with confessing Christ as Lord, believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. It begins with a proper understanding that we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and that the wages of sin is death. It begins with a, a firm understanding of the gospel and a response to the gospel. Where we call on Jesus as our king. We, we put our trust in him. And then he, through the power of his Holy Spirit, he empowers us to walk in obedience. But don't get that out of order. Don't think that somehow you can just, in your flesh this morning, decide that you're just going to obey. That you're just not going to sin anymore. That you're going to just will yourself to obedience. You can't do that. But the path of obedience begins with bowing our knee to Christ. And then, even then, once we have trusted in Jesus and responded to the gospel of Jesus, obedience is not a given. <laughs> obedience is hard. It's a hard road. Sometimes it's three steps forward and two steps back. So often in our attempts to obey, empowered by the Holy Spirit, we still find ourselves falling and failing. But God is merciful to us. And He invites us to repent. To turn from our sin and to trust in Him. And so this is the process of sanctification in the Christian life where, where we continue to grow more and more to be like Jesus. And to be less and less like our old selves. As we trust and obey and trust and obey and trust and obey. David's words here to his son Solomon are to trust in the Lord, his statutes, his principle, his commands, his law given to Moses to, to walk in his ways. And if he will do this, David says, then he will experience blessing. But he will not bless disobedience in Solomon's life or in our lives today. And we see... Now, firsthand, he gives an example of what that then looks like. What it looks like to, to be faithful and be blessed and to be unfaithful and not to be blessed, to be unfaithful and to receive judgment. As he gives Solomon now very specific instructions as to how he needs to deal with some unfinished business in the kingdom. And that brings us to the second point there in your outline, the second lesson for us. The Lord judges the faithful and the unfaithful. The Lord judges the faithful and the unfaithful. So David tells his son Solomon, now that he is king, that there are three people he needed to deal with. Two enemies and a friend. He first tells him he needs to bring judgment on Joab. Now, if you've been with us in our study, then you'll recall that Joab was the commander of David's army. And for much of the time we studied the word, we, we saw a, a faithfulness in Joab to David. And yet, time and time again, we would see times when Joab would seek to serve his own self-interest. When David would give Joab specific instructions as the commander of his armies, and Joab would not listen to David, he would not follow those instructions. Especially when it came to preserving the lives of individuals. People that David was trying to build alliances with or whose lives he wanted to preserve for one reason or another. 
we see Joab was more of a bloodthirsty commander. He wielded the sword. Many times he wielded it for his own self-interest. And that is what David points out here. He reminds Solomon that Joab had killed Abner and Amasa, both against David's wishes. He leaves out, of course, that Joab had done the same thing with David's son Absalom. And David had given specific instruction. You may remember that even though Absalom had rebelled against the kingdom, even though Absalom had tried to take the throne from his father David, that, that, that when the tide was turning, when David was now going to get control of the kingdom back, he specifically said, preserve Absalom's life. Joab doesn't listen. Joab was not faithful to the Lord and the Lord's anointed. And so now David's instructions to Solomon's are clear. It is time for judgment to come on Joab for his unfaithfulness. Verse 6, he says, Do not let his gray head go down to Sheol in peace. In other words, take his life, Solomon. End it. Do what I should have done. Well, we don't have details as to why David didn't do this himself. But I can't help but think about that awkwardness in that relationship with David and Joab. As much as we saw Joab being the one who didn't follow David's commands, think about when he did follow David's commands. Think about when Joab is commanding the army and has David's mighty men on the front lines as David stays home at a time when kings went to war. Think about Joab receiving that, that personal letter from his king David saying, put Uriah on the front lines and then pull back. Think about when Joab followed David's orders and put one of his mighty men to death. There may have been a strange tension there as a result of that and other things. Whatever the case, David didn't deal with Joab in a way that he needed to later on. And so now he tells Solomon, you're going to need to deal with him because Joab's going to be a threat to the throne. Joab already was a threat to the throne. Joab had already sided with Adonijah who tried to take the throne of David. And David, looking ahead, knows that he'll be a threat to Solomon's throne. And he says, he's not faithful to the Lord's anointed. You need to bring judgment on him. Verse 7, he then tells his son to show kindness to Barzillia the Gilead. You may recall David's encounter with Barzillad back in 2 Samuel 17. This is when Absalom had started a rebellion against David. And that led David and those loyal to him to flee the city. And as they were fleeing the city and they were going out into the wilderness, they, they didn't have provisions. They were hungry and they were thirsty. And the scripture tells us that at that time, God provided through them through Barzillia and some other wealthy men who came to the king's rescue. They brought basins of water. They brought lots of provisions. They brought food after food after food. All these things that David and his men would need to survive in the wilderness. Unlike Joab, Barzillia was faithful to the Lord's anointed. And so then when David returns to the throne, he, he wants to reward Barzillia. He wants to bring him into the palace. He wants to put him at the king's table. But you may recall, Barzillia says he, he's old. <laughs> he's near the end himself. He, he just wants to go to his own home and to live out his days. But he asks David instead to, to bless his son. And now we see David fulfilling that promise. Because Barzillia had been faithful 
to David, to the Lord's anointed. Now he will be blessed by Solomon. So he says, bring judgment on Joab. Show kindness and blessing to Barzillia the Gilead. And then bring judgment on Shimei. Shimei is another one that we met on that same road when David was fleeing from Absalom. And you may remember he was one that had a great hatred towards David for a wrong he felt that David had committed against his own family. A wrong that really laid in the hands of Joab. <laughs> but he, he curses David and his men. There was that picture of Shimei following along them as they're fleeing, as they're on the run. And he's running behind them and he's hurling insults and, and curses and throwing stones at them. But to the point that David's men are like, we got time to stop and deal with him if you want. And David doesn't do it. David in that moment says that, that God's going to bless him and bless his men for being treated this way. For being wrongly accused. And then later when David's back on the throne, Shimei comes before him. And Shimei just, he begs for mercy at this point. He knows he deserves judgment for his wrongdoing. But... As is pointed out here in 1 Kings chapter 2, David makes it clear to him. He says, I, I will not put you to death. But now time has come for someone else to put him to death. There's going to be no pardon for him. And you think about that. We, we, we live in a day and an age where we're used to seeing uh, politicians on their way out the door issuing pardons, uh, showing benevolence and kindness. And so it may make us a bit uncomfortable as we come to 1 Kings chapter 2 and we see David doing what seems to be the opposite of that. There, there's no pardon for Joab. There, there's no pardon for Shimei. There, there's a death sentence for both of them. But it's a fitting reminder for us of what happens to those who are ultimately are unfaithful to the Lord's anointed. The judgment that they incur and that they are deserving of. We read about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 beginning in verse 7. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction. Away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among those who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Well, what's, what's the word of encouragement and the word of warning here? That there's the encouragement. When, when Jesus returns, if, if you are faithful, if I am faithful, there, there is great blessing and great reward in that moment of glory. But for those who refuse to obey God's word, for those who refuse the gospel of Jesus, for those who on this day and every day have the free offer of salvation presented to them through our Lord Jesus, and they say, no. 
I'll be king of my own life. I want to do what I want to do. I don't want anyone else telling me how to live or what to do. And in that defiance, there's a word of warning that a day of judgment is coming. And just as Joab, off the heels of parting, parting with Adonijah, hearing the rumors that David's on his deathbed, is probably imagining that it's just smooth sailing for him now. Just as Shimei, who had cursed and insulted the Lord's anointed, and at this point thinks he's gotten away with it, he's going to be okay. David's on his deathbed. He doesn't need to worry about it anymore. In that moment, judgment comes, and it is swift at the hand of the new King Solomon. In that same way, friend, judgment is coming for us. And God, in His richness of grace and mercy today has given us yet another opportunity to trust in the gospel of Jesus. To remember that there is blessing for those who are faithful. There is judgment for those who are not. And least we forget, point three, we're reminded here that the Lord keeps his covenant promise. That he indeed will do the things he said he will do. Verse 10, we find here now David passes. Scripture tells us, Then David slept with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David. And the time that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. He reigned for seven years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. So Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. Why, why not just say, David died. <laughs> well, why the details here? I believe it's because God wants us to be reminded that, that He is a God who keeps His promises. And we see very much the promise of God kept here. The promise that God made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7 when He made that covenant with him. And you remember those words? God said to David, When your days are fulfilled and when you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And here we see how God fulfills part of that statement, how he raises up his son Solomon. He makes him king. He, he firmly establishes his throne. But... Without going through all the chapters, all the verses, you probably know the story. Solomon goes the way of his father. He goes the way of all men on earth. Solomon dies. So how can God be faithful to a promise that David's son would sit on the throne forever when David's son dies, and then that son of that son dies, and then that son of that son dies? Well, it's because God was pointing towards a greater son towards his son, towards a descendant of David, a son of David, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King, who would never die, but reigns for all eternity. We're reminded that Jesus is the one who ultimately fulfills this covenant promise. When Paul preaches at the synagogue in Acts chapter 13, he says this, 
For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. He, he saw death. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption, did not see death. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. God keeps his covenant promise. And he made a promise in the garden to a guilty and shame-filled Adam and Eve that the seed of the woman would one day come and would crush the head of the enemy. He made a promise to David that a son of his would come that one day would sit on the throne forever. And what do we see in our King Jesus? We see the one who went to the cross and who crushed the serpent's head, who conquered sin and death. We see in Jesus the one who reigns for all eternity. And we, were remi we are reminded in Jesus that God is a God who keeps his promises. Jesus is a king who keeps his promises. He has promised to us that if we will confess him as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we'll be saved. Jesus has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. He promised that he would take the wrath of God for us so that we could take this bread and cup today. A promise made by our Lord is a promise kept by our Lord. And we see every time we come to the table a reminder that God is a God who keeps his covenant promises. We are reminded when we come to the table and we look back, we see promises that have been kept. And we also are reminded as we come to the table to, to look ahead and to trust in promises that one day will come true. And between this day and and the day when all promises by God are finally fulfilled. We are called to walk by faith and not by sight. And so in response to God's word today, we're going to come to the table together. And we invite you, if you're a professing follower of Jesus Christ, if you have indeed confessed Christ as your Lord, if you believe in your heart God has raised him from the dead, if you've made that profession public, then we invite you to come to the table. If you've yet to do that, we would invite you to observe as we who have placed our trust in Christ come and take this cup and take this bread. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then after I do, I'll invite our deacons to come forward and to help to distribute these elements of the Lord's Supper that we might take and drink and eat. If you would pray with me. Father, we thank you for this day, your day, and the opportunity we have on this day, that the first day of this week, to start it by gathering together and worshiping you, by coming to this table to be reminded. And Lord, we need to be reminded. Oh, we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded of the riches of the gospel. We need to be reminded of what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. We need to be reminded of our need to trust in Jesus and to walk by faith and not by sight. And Father, we need today to look ahead. What We are prone to worry about the events that are coming tomorrow and the next day 
and the next day. But we need not worry about the events that are to come one day when Christ returns and establishes kingdom, a new heaven and new earth. We need not worry if we are trusting in Him. So help us to trust today. Help our hope to be in the gospel today. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I want our deacons to come forward now as we prepare to distribute the elements of the Lord's Supper.